You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The SEC gets hacked and someone might have made a lot of money. Equifax tweets send inquirers to a phishing site. Investigation into the Avast caper suggests a state intelligence service's hand. The Department of Homeland Security clarifies its ban on Kaspersky products. And chatbots turn spiritual. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, September 21st, 2017. Late yesterday, the SEC announced that it had been hacked and that the hackers may have been able to use the fruits of their labors to execute illegal trades. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission discovered last year that there had been unauthorized access to its EDGAR reporting system. EDGAR, an acronym standing for Electronic Data Gathering, Analysis, and Retrieval, is the SEC's central collection and distribution system for the various filings public companies are required to submit. There appeared at the time to be little to worry about. That changed yesterday, September 20th, however, when the SEC said that Edgar had been compromised by a threat actor. The commission revealed that it concluded last month, that is in August 2017, that an intrusion into Edgar seems to have been used for illegal stock trading. It's not yet known how large that trading was or how large the illicit gains were, but it could represent a very significant incident. The disclosure appeared in a long statement by the SEC chair outlining the ways in which cybersecurity and resilience are important to the SEC and the sector it regulates, and describing the Commission's initiation of an assessment of its cyber risk profile. The relevant passages may be difficult to find, so we quote them now. Quote, Notwithstanding our efforts to protect our systems and manage cybersecurity risk, in certain cases cyber threat actors have managed to access or misuse our systems. In August 2017, the Commission learned that an incident previously detected in 2016 may have provided the basis for illicit gain through trading. Specifically, a software vulnerability in the test filing component of our EDGAR system, which was patched promptly after discovery, was exploited and resulted in access to non-public information. We believe the intrusion did not result in unauthorized access to personally identifiable information, jeopardize the operations of the Commission, or result in systemic risk. Our investigation of this matter is ongoing, however, and we are coordinating with appropriate authorities. The statement is long and mostly concerned with all the ways the SEC is shoring up its cybersecurity as it works to drive down risk. 
The emphasis in the statement on implementation of the NIST framework suggests that part of what's going on here was prompted by the president's executive order. There are other security issues that have surfaced during the SEC's cyber risk assessment. Some may have involved data corruption. The Commission's Division of Enforcement has investigated and filed cases against individuals who are believed to have placed fake SEC filings on Edgar in order to profit from resulting market movement. A number of the issues are old ones, brought out to illustrate what sort of risks the Commission is looking into. The SEC's Inspector General found in a 2014 internal review that some SEC laptops that might have contained non-public information couldn't be found. The IG also found a few cases in which SEC personnel transmitted non-public information through non-secure personal email accounts. The SEC has come in for scrutiny with respect to its cybersecurity before. There were reports in 2014 that access to Edgar had enabled speculators to run trades shortly before material information was posted to the service. The intervals were short, matters of seconds, but that's enough time to earn some illicit money. And Reuters is reporting in an exclusive that a Department of Homeland Security report on January 23rd of this year found five critical weaknesses in the SEC's systems. The report was one of DHS's regular scans of federal networks. It's not known whether any of those vulnerabilities had anything to do with the incursions into Edgar. The story is developing. Investors and Congress are said to have the jitters, as well they might. Equifax continues to struggle with incident response. Communication through social media has for some time been understood as an important way of getting the story out when an organization is responding to an incident. So it's unsurprising and even commendable that Equifax should have taken to Twitter to get its news out. Here again, however, the execution was flawed. The company's tweets were telling people concerned about the breach to go to securityequifax2017.com instead of equifaxsecurity2017.com. The correct site, of course, you've seen this coming, right, was equifaxsecurity2017.com. The one the tweets were sending people to was, in fact, a phishing site set up by a white hat who was curious to see who would arrive. In this case, no damage was done, but the mistake persisted for two weeks, which is an uncomfortably long time to send your stakeholders out into a fishnet. Again, the lesson is plain. If we learn nothing else from Equifax's experience, we should at least learn the importance of incident planning and of exercising those plans when you come up with them. One of the most asked questions about the Equifax breach is why didn't they simply patch their systems more quickly? For some perspective on that, we reached out to Richard Henderson from Absolute Software, a company that specializes in endpoint security and data risk management solutions. Richard is global security strategist at Absolute. I'm on the fence about this because uh, on one side, I mean, I really think they, they deserve the lumps they're getting. But on the, on the flip side, I understand how difficult it can be for enterprises to really patch that stuff. The issue was that it was a server side vulnerability issue. And that's a whole different kettle of fish when it comes to vulnerabilities on the endpoint. Typically, you know, with your endpoint devices, you just, you know, you run your Windows update, you patch your applications, and, and for most parts, you're good to go. The problem with The server-side vulnerabilities, in this case with Apache Struts, which is what we, we believe the issue was, is that it's embedded in pretty much hundreds, if not thousands, of custom applications. And a lot of these enterprises, they're, they're building their own custom uh, products to be 
used inside of their networks. And it can be very difficult to update that software or that server-side software because one, the code is complex. It's very, the code base is very large. You may not even have the original developers on staff anymore who developed it and, and someone else is trying to fix it. You may not even know that it's there. So I feel for them in that, you know, maintaining and managing and patching vulnerabilities in customized enterprise software is very difficult. But at the same time, we have to understand that it's not 15 years ago where, you know, most of the software that was created back then was very rudimentary. It was very basic. It was easier to maintain. Everything is connected today. Everything's connected to the Internet. You know, we're making this call over the internet, you know, your cell phone, your your desk phone now, everything on the back end is all connected through IP. And that means that for enterprises who aren't taking the idea of vulnerability management seriously, they're leaving giant holes in their network. And that's what happened with these guys. They weren't taking that critical vulnerability seriously enough. And that means either they weren't paying attention or they weren't giving it the significant level of risk calculation that they should have, or just, you know, it fell through the cracks. That's entirely possible. But again, you know, there's no excuses and I don't think we should accept excuses. But at the same time, it's not an easy battle. But this isn't just a problem with them. This is a problem uh, with, a, with a lot of enterprises. They just, you know, there's so many things out there that need to be fixed. They really need dedicated teams whose job it is just to monitor what's happening in the world of vulnerability management. And they can, you know, sufficiently triage or assess the, the impact of, of risk on their environment. I feel for them. I feel really bad for the people down in the trenches that you know the regular it staff the regular security staff who are really taking it on the chin right now and you know whether that's rightly deserved or not is not really for me to say but at the end of the day this company was responsible for maintaining the security of some of our most intimate and personal and critical data so the onus is on them and other organizations who collect similar data to be able to protect that data in ways that go above and beyond what we consider you know what is expected in norm they 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 really had an obligation to protect that data and i think that's where they fail that's richard henderson from absolute software the supply chain problems that backdoored in a vast product increasingly looks like the work of a state espionage agency the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has clarified and qualified its ban on Kaspersky. Kaspersky software embedded in other vendors' products is not banned, nor are Kaspersky intelligence and training services. And finally, motherboard reports with appropriate skepticism, a new field for the use of chatbots, spiritual counseling. Researchers at Northeastern University and the Boston Medical Center have been working on a chat bot to take the place of a palliative care coach. You can set the bot to either spiritual or neutral. The spiritual settings come up in Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim, Sikh, and Hindu. The goal is to reduce people's anxiety in the face of death. A good thing, all things being equal, we suppose, but... We can't help thinking of Tay, Microsoft's well-intentioned AI-based chatbot who quickly developed a set of really bad manners. Tay, call your office. You may have a new career in nursing. Or, what the heck, ministry. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. 
It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Emily Wilson. She's the director of analysis at Terbium Labs. Emily, welcome back. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, Black Hat. You were mentioning that um, there was an interesting keynote there, and uh, it was really about sort of staying focused, not chasing shiny objects. Yes, and uh, you know, this is a favorite topic of mine, so I was I was pleased to see that brought up. You know, I, I think a good example of this, you know, is the the recent discussions about the ability to hack our power grids or other big, shiny, scary topics that reasonably would keep you up at night, and the need for the industry to focus both internally and externally about the real problems. And by real problems here, I'm talking about the things that actually cause you an issue day to day. If somebody actually manages to take down the power grid, which is a pretty inflammatory phrase, that would be a real problem. But in the meantime, your employees are being fished and you're reusing passwords and you're not turning on two-factor because it's an inconvenience. So is this sort of like, um, you know, people are much more afraid of uh, dying in an airplane crash than crossing the street, but they're much more likely to die when they're crossing the street? It's true. And I think some of that is perspective and some of that is awareness. Uh, you know, and in, in, you can't be worried about crossing the street every time in the same way that you can't be worried that every time you log into your bank account that someone's going to steal your credentials. But I think there's a need to be realistic and pragmatic and focused on really targeting the everyday issues that are causing a lot of the problems. You know, you can decide that you want to put a pool in the backyard because you think it'll raise the value of your house. But if you haven't replaced the lock on your front door, maybe your priorities aren't quite right. And you make the point that those of us who are in the cybersecurity industry need to sort of drive this conversation. 
It's true. I think that it's very easy to talk about new, flashy, shiny things, right? We've talked here before about, you know, when ransomware has a logo and a theme song, it, it makes the headlines. And there are important emerging and, and changing trends to discuss, but it's very easy to get distracted from the day-to-day reality of what's actually causing problems. And it's also hard to sell those things. Right. There's definitely the, the buzzword compliance piece of this, right? Everyone wants to check off that list. You know, what, you know, does it have machine learning? Is it AI? Is it, you know, is it, is it faster than machine time or whatever? And there's some fatigue over the same things you've heard over and over again. Turn on two-factor. Don't reuse passwords. Use a password manager. Talk to your employees about phishing. Don't click on that link. Don't trust what you see. And I think people get tired of hearing it. And people also have a sense of, oh, but, but I know. I know how this works. I'm not going to miss something that obvious. And because of that, people don't want to hear it anymore. And they tune it out and they skip over it because it's much easier to focus on this bigger, more abstract concept of a security risk than you know, the monotony of going through and changing passwords on however many dozens of accounts you have online. So despite all the new scary things coming down the pike, you still can't take your eye off the basics. I think that's a reasonable way to think of it. And I think that you can worry about every possible eventuality, every one in a hundred million chance, but look at what's actually causing you problems. Look at what's actually putting you at risk day to day and look at what is actually going to impact your organization now or you as an individual now. Wouldn't you fix the problems you can fix more easily instead of worrying about the ones that might never happen? All right. Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.